Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Coming up on today's show, interviews with Dahi and Kinsey, who have a new album and new EP out, respectively. Then at the end of the show, we have the debut single from Balana County Mayo, 2PC Op. It's called Beyond Being. That's coming up right at the end of the show. But first up, we're going to start with Dahi, who has just released his third album, I'm Here Now which was mostly recorded in The Beekeepers, his artist's hideaway that he runs with his partner Norma. You might have heard Anna Malarkey a couple of weeks ago talking about it. I love hearing acts talk about writers' retreats, and it sounds like The Beekeepers is a very special place for musicians. Collaborators on I'm Here Now include Alvaretti and Sinead White on Sunset, David Tapley of Tandem Felix on Polypoli, Uli on Like the Water, and Neil Dexter, Keep It for the Next One, is the name of the song that he's on. Dai has been on the show before, both in a solo capacity, check out TPOE95, oh, so long ago, and he was on with Paul Noonan as Houseplants, that was at It Takes a Village last year, that's TPOE number 217. If you want to delve into the podcast archive, it's all free, it's all up there, go check it out if you haven't already. Hopefully those chats hold up. Dahi has an extensive tour planned for the album. It starts on Friday with a date at the Irish Cultural Centre in Paris, France, if anybody happens to be over there on Friday night. The next day, Saturday, Jet Set Lifestyle. He's playing Fall Right Into Place in Clare Galway. That's September 17th. He's in Dolan's on September 29th, Thursday in Limerick. He's in Cork's Cypress Avenue on September 30th. Debarra's in Clonakilty, an amazing venue, on October 1st. Leavis's in Ballady Hob on October 2nd, another amazing venue. I'm always telling bands if they can, do a tour of West Cork. Start in, well, start in Cork if you want. And work your way down. Clonakilty, Leavis's, Lep is in the middle there as well if you fancy a stop off. Dai is over to the UK for a couple of shows. He's playing the Rum Shack in Glasgow on October 11th. Sneaky Pete's in Edinburgh on October 12th. Future Yard in Birkenhead on October 13th. He's in Birmingham, Cambridge. And then he's playing London's New Cross Inn on October 17th. And then he's back playing Dublin's Centrepoint is the venue for that one on October 21st. And finishing up in the Set Theatre in Kilkenny on November 25th. Oh, a whole month of a break there. So uh, if you don't catch him on the tour, you've got a whole month and more to plan for a date in Kilkenny to wrap things up. I'm Here Now is out on Strange Brew Records. Again, it's the same label that's put out on Malarkey's album Falling. Here's the first track off Dai's new album. It's called Sunset with Sinead White and Alba Reddy. And then we'll ease ourselves into the chat which began with a big revelation about Dahi's youth. What could it be? What do you mean? Last time we spoke, you said you missed me And I've been lying awake Always overthinking You act like it never happened I tried to do the same but since you cracked me wide open, I can't look at it that way. Oh, come on, you know, these things are never easy. Oh, come on, you know, these things are never easy. If you can't even look at me. Just stare at the sunset 
What's it like working in Alloy Games? <laughs> it's great working in Alloy Games. Yeah, I was I was seventeen until I was twenty two, and uh, you would have these big groups of Americans come in, and they would tip very heavily. It was probably the best paid job I've ever had. Better pays better than music anyway, for sure. You just like ham up the kind of the country Irish guy as much as you possibly <laughs> could, you know. That's uh, the secret to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Have you been back to the Alloway Caves as like a tourist or anything like that? I haven't. And like my, so my partner Norma, like, you know, we did the Beekeepers, which is like next door to the Alloway Cave. And she hasn't been there since she was like a, a teenager for like a school tour. And like it's right beside us. And uh, she goes like, oh, we have to go and see it. Like we have to know what's going on with the with the Alloway Cave. Like, you know, and uh and I was just like, I can't face into it. I've done like, whatever, four or five years of like, saying the same thing over and over again through the cave. So I'm going to have to send her up on her own. There's a there's a bird <laughs> of prey center there now, which is really, really good though. And that's like, well, worth seeing. They had like kind of fly these amazing bird of prey, kind of big vultures and, and kestrels and all sorts of stuff around the place. So it was really good. Are you are you kind of like a tour guide for Claire, you know, when you're up in Dublin? You're like, you got to come down. We have this, we have this, we have yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And even down there, like we're total hosts now. It's kind of like, you know, uh, an artist will come down for the beekeepers and you know we have like a whole pile of different recommendations but then it's also on us to kind of like try out the new things to see what's good and what's not good but it's just a lot of like really getting to know the kind of the the area and kind of recommending stuff to people which is great like it's really really good and i'm lucky that the place is so lovely that you can kind of recommend loads of different places and stuff you know so it's great is the beekeepers your main job now um, is it like 50 50 with the music is it yeah, I've, I'm a bit overworked. <laughs> <say. laughs> uh, I'm kind of splitting it. Yeah, so like uh, I do a lot of the beekeeper stuff now, um, and there's a lot of kind of admin and stuff now. I'm blessed that my partner Norma does it with me as well. Um, so we kind of we kind of take up the slack, and it's a real it's a real family business as well. You know, my my parents help with the kind of the turnovers and stuff, and my auntie has a a um a B and B in the village so she can do the sheets and clean with those big like ironing oh, amazing wow. iron stuff as well. So we get the whole family involved and uh Yana as well. So we have this amazing Ukrainian uh girl. There was about hundred and fifty plus of Ukrainians moved to Balivahan in the last kind of year or so. And Yana was one who is uh, an amazing musician, really great um piano player as well. 
and uh, she was a musical director for a theatre and uh, she helps out with the beekeepers now as well and kind of helps on the running on the ground and stuff because myself and Norma are kind of all over the place. We're kind of, I do a lot of gigs and stuff like that so I can't be there all the time. So it's almost like you're kind of doing it from a distance sometimes. But yes, and that's the beekeepers and then the rest of the time I'm kind of doing a lot of production myself and then we just did a big tour with houseplants of kind of a whole lot of different festivals and uh, and yeah now this Dahi record is coming out <laughs> of another 20 day tour from the middle of September so uh, yeah a little bit overworked but <laughs> so it'll be okay it'll be good. does the beekeepers as it is now hold up to what your ideal of it was in the like two years ago I think it opened was it around then yeah like I mean it's it's been amazing like it's um it, it's it definitely has like it's it's a really it's a really amazing thing to have all these kind of artists come down and stuff there's a lot of i don't know how i would describe it but there's kind of a lot of um uh i guess running one of those places is there's always something difficult that's going to happen or whatever like that but honestly like the the response has been amazing and you just kind of it just fills all the time it's just like you know we'll open up a month and it'll fill in about two weeks and basically what I've always been saying is if I had two of them I could fill them easily like you know I think there's a huge amount of artists now that are kind of coming um instead of doing the studio thing what they'll do is they'll do like a week in the beekeepers and then do maybe two days in a studio if they want to track something very important and yeah it's been working brilliantly yeah it just goes really really well uh I can't go into my, myself anymore because <laughs> it's like spilled so much and everything so uh so yeah it's been brilliant and uh and yeah I mean the big the big push for it now is to try and um just improve on it slowly it's like it's an older house and there's a lot of responsibility in terms of it's an amazing looking house and i I feel very responsible for keeping it that way and keeping it you're you're almost maintaining it to a level to make it kind of um to keep it to the level that it's at you know and that's that's really important to me it's kind of you can't just put in any old thing in there you can't just repair it in any old way you really have to think about it as like a kind of a a legacy project you know so, mm. is yeah. it open year round or is, or is it you take a couple of months off or uh, no it's open year round um we've had to we've had to close it for september because our poor old rayburn cooker uh died a death over the summer and this rayburn cooker was insane it was like this gorgeous stove that did all the kind of the cooking but it also heated the underfloor heating in the in the house so it when it died its death it was just like oh my god <laughs> it's like what are we going to do so we had to get a new boiler in so that's been fit over september and we're doing some kind of a bit of construction work and stuff like that as well so uh but apart from that yeah it's open 24 24 hours and we kind of fill it out kind of roughly arches we kind of stay there for about a week at a time yeah that's pretty much it, it like it fills out completely uh we we fill it out all the way up through november and december which is really interesting because uh Balivan in general is a very kind of a seasonal place you know it would be very very busy during the summer times but would be super super quiet in the in the winter time so um yeah it's great to have kind of people coming there all year round like yeah it's great have you heard of any other places like that opening up around ireland or england or anything like that have they been in contact with you about how do you do this how do you do that yeah some of them get sent my way there was a there was a guy i was talking to recently who was going to do something slightly similar i think on ackle island which would be amazing oh yeah um and uh and yeah there's there's different kind of people talking about it i've had people ask if i want to like uh what's the word 
um, franchise <laughs> the beekeepers oh. where they're just like oh yeah my auntie has this like really gorgeous house in this area like would you be interesting in doing like a, a beekeepers east or something like that you know <laughs> but uh, you laugh but, about yeah. it now I laugh about it now yeah I'm gonna be the McDonald's of <laughs> artists uh, artist retreats um, drive through artist retreats yeah 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 I mean honestly I, th- there should be more of them like it's it's a very like you know as as long as you kind of set it up in a certain way and kind of make sure that it's like really inspiring and kind of private it's totally doable and it's i mean running a recording studio like a full proper recording studio is like very heartbreaking because it's like you know gear is so expensive and you kind of have to be there at all times and you kind of need somebody there so it's a good middle ground of of facilitating artists in a really kind of nice way while also not having to be there constantly and I think generally I've, I've found people who are working there, like the artists work better when they're on their own and just kind of working away with, with just say a band or something like that. Um, they tend to work the best on their own, you know? So it's, um, yeah, it's great. Did you record the album all there? Or did you use a studio for the new one? Yeah. So it was, it was a mix. Most of the record was done. Um, so I did about two weeks in the beekeepers myself, um, just kind of working on different kind of tracks that I had worked out on. And then I did a series of weekends. So, I would like book off a weekend for the beekeepers and then I'd bring down like two or three artists who who I knew would work well together, if you know what I mean? So say like the first weekend I did with Alva Reddy and Sinead White who know each other very well. Uh, Sinead is an amazing pianist and Alva plays guitar so they both have instruments as well and they can sing and they're really great songwriters. So I knew just putting them into a room would be great so we just kind of did a weekend with them and then like I mean we did another weekend there with Neil Dexter and um, David Tapley from Tandem Felix and they've been friends for years and they like Neil brought like a double bass and like was incredible on it <laughs> and like like Tapley is an amazing songwriter can play piano and brought like a pedal steel and like you know we ran that through a whole pile of different effects Oh, so there was just a very like a kind of a there wasn't there was no pressure it was just like oh I have these like two or three tracks that I think might work well with stuff and then I would just kind of open the album to them and kind of go like what would you put on this or whatever so you get these amazing musicians and these amazing songwriters and they just hang out and we just like have nice food and just kind of like do little bits and it was really um productive it was like you know you'd come out with stuff that was absolutely amazing there was no pressure to get done at any time so it was the real it's the real dream beekeepers vibe it was great (laughs) like and I, i the thing i loved about it was that idea of bringing like kind of two or three artists who kind of know each other or that i knew would be good to work together because they kind of almost, you egg them on as they go along, you know what I mean? And uh, and it's just a question of getting them excited about the stuff, and, and, and that was it. So that was kind of how it was made. It was like kind of two or three weeks of me working on my own and then inviting people to kind of contribute to the record over time um, and then finishing touches at the end. I just kind of mixed it myself as well. So, yeah, it was great. Great. Um, have, have you had experience of when you know, working with other people doesn't quite work out. Like, you don't have to name any names or anything <laughs> like that. But, but I mean, can you tell very quickly when ah, there's just not the right vibe there between us? Like, say, with you and a collaborator or with yeah. a couple of other collaborators that you're working with? I've been very lucky that uh, that I haven't had that much of that experience. Uh, and I think it's f- one of the main reasons is for the selfish reason of basically... Uh, I don't often work with people that I don't like hanging out with. So even if nothing happens or you don't get anything amazing, you still get a nice <laughs> weekend out of it with a, yeah, with a buddy. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, back when I was younger, I did get caught with that. Like, you know, you'd be in a big studio and you get some guest vocalist in and you would just know immediately that like, you're not going to mesh. Like, you're just not going to work together properly. Um, 
and and then it becomes more of like a job it's kind of like trying to get something out of somebody and you're kind of it's a bit more of a slog but uh i kind of i just learned that the hard way and just kind of you know after that it's all been about kind of people that you know that you'd get on well with and and that's half the battle like i mean the number one thing when working with artists is to try and build an atmosphere where they're comfortable you know like that's such a big thing for a producer like you know it's just all about having them relax and being able to just let the stuff flow out of them any type of pressure at all is going to affect the final product i think um so it's all about building that atmosphere so that's why beekeepers is so good and you know i'll make a big lasagna and like you know we'll hang out a bit and like not not push it too much and then it'll just naturally happen over time yeah you just want to be working with people that you actually like that's the big thing you know so you don't see say the album as um, like working on the album as kind of a job you try and like we'll see what happens with it almost is that the vibe yeah absolutely like yeah yeah and uh, you know i mean you don't even know if you have an album yet. Do you know what I mean? You kind of, on those first three weeks, I was just like, oh, I'll write a whole pile of tracks and see what happens. And then over those weekends, then you start kind of gelling stuff and seeing where it goes and, and where the pieces connect and stuff like that. And eventually also you'll get the themes will just start arriving to you. I don't set out at the start with a kind of a theme or whatever. It's just, you kind of realize after a while, like what's kind of going on. So like, you know, I'll, I'll write that stuff and I'll, I'll, from the emotion of the music, it'll, I'll just be like, oh, okay. This is definitely like kind of like this weird thing about being a person in a place and being able to center yourself in that area. And that's what this album is kind of about for me. It's like this thing where I move, I'm doing a lot more in, in Clare now, a lot more where I'm from. And in on one sense, it's like kind of a bit nerve wracking. I don't know if you, like coming back home to where you're from is like, like if I was 18, I'd be like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how could you be going back to Balivan now? And then your 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 older self is kind of like, God, I really love it here. And I, I really have a sense of identity and stuff here. Um, but there's always like a trepidation. So there's a lot of that in the music of the record. But then it's also a kind of um, like my when I listen to interviews with my grandmother, like she she has this like real sense of like, she identified herself in this valley that she lived in, not even in like the village she was from, like like the valley that she was in, that was her and that's such a sense of identity. And I think people our age don't really have that as much. You know, we're kind of, we're not really tied down to a place as much as, as previous generations were. So I just found that idea very interesting that, you know, I mean, I think we tie ourselves to the art that we're interested in or our friends or whatever culture we're involved in. Whereas the generation, kind of a couple of generations before us, like where they were from seemed to be way more important. And I really liked kind of exploring that. And then there's also this sense of time as a, as a sense of place kind of thing where you're kind of like, I'm trying to look back through my life and pull different pieces to try and like understand that idea of sense of time and place and stuff. So like, you know, on the record, there's a whole pile like concertina because my grandfather played concertina and like, I'd never, I don't even know how to play it. Like, I was just literally standing there with a microphone <laughs> playing notes out of the concertina, making these like ambient sounds with it and stuff. But that was really important to me because it's like, oh yeah, my grandfather, massive traditional Irish musician, um, passed away uh, last year. And like, you know, it kind of putting that into the record is really important. And then I have this big sample library of samples from years and years and years of just collecting samples and stuff. And I really enjoyed going back through them and finding like, little pieces of, of recordings from a totally different time of my life where I, I like had a completely different understanding of what life was and being able to put that in as a kind of a touchstone for me so that when I hear that, it's like, geez, yeah, when I was that person, I was totally different to what I am now. 
Yeah, so there's all that kind of sense of place and time and stuff. And then you can kind of describe that to artists like vocalists or whatever, and then they can take their pieces and add that onto it, you know? So they explore that those same themes, but from their experiences. And you get this really nice mesh of stuff that um it's just different and doesn't sound like anything else like you know then that's the big that's the big push for a dahi record i think now is this trying to make stuff that nobody's heard before i think that's the big push yeah wow um just one more question about the collaborators mm. when you're working like you've worked with all of these guys um before i think have you so yeah, so it's I kind mean, of like an easier I guess apart from neil and Oli, i haven't worked with Oli or, or neil okay um so, so is it is it kind of comfortable like talking to them, like talking to David or talking to Alva um, mm. about like the ideas that you want to get across? Are you kind of like more easier with them than you would have been like five years ago? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like I mean, even you know, like I mean, I myself and Sinead, say for instance, are extremely close and worked for years, so we kind of know how we how we both work. And Alva, you know, I've worked with her a little bit, but not a huge amount. But I got to know her so well this year. So that weekend, we'll say, had like one person that I knew really well and one person that I knew fairly well. And then we'll say the, the weekend with David Tapley and Neil, like David Tapley is a very close friend of mine, whereas I know Neil and I know him really well now. But like at the time, he was kind of a new person coming in. But you got this, you know, you could have, so Tapley had the connection between the two of us and could kind of ease that in. So there was no kind of nervousness about that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do find it easier. I think... Um, I think that comes with experience, though, as well. You know, like, I mean, if you're a producer and you've been writing for this long, it's kind of you you just learn how to work with artists in a specific way. And it, and it kind of, yeah, it's just based down to experience, you know, and confidence, you know, and kind of getting people excited, I think, is the big thing, you know. Mm. And you have to be excited about it as well. Absolutely, yeah. Jeez, I would hate to be releasing it <laughs> that I wasn't excited about it, yeah. I'd say there's so many artists who do, though. Yeah, I don't know right, if you yeah. can tell when you're listening to it, like... I don't care about that or it seems yeah. throwaway or something but uh I, I think sometimes as well if you get stuck in this rut as well where like even if you're very inspired by a certain type of music or something you start getting into this like root of trying to sound like the record like kind of going oh I, I love this music I'd love to be kind of like doing that music and stuff like that and trying to get away from that is a big deal I think like you kind of you become a lot more interesting as a as a as somebody who writes music, if you kind of try and broaden your spec spectrum of music, I guess, but also not try and emulate stuff too much, I guess. Like wearing your influences on your sleeve. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And again, it's just all down to experience. Like, you know, like I kind of, I, I think you just get better at producing it and you get yeah. better at like finding like ways to express the thing that you're exploring. And, and, you know, you'll hit on like a sample and it'll make you think of something. And then that will be your direction then, as opposed to going like, oh, this sample sounds a bit like this song. I should try and lean towards that. You talk about the feeling instead of the actual sound and where, where it goes, you know? So the feeling directs you. Yeah, like in, in this record, so the, in the second track, there's like this kind of, um, at the very end of the, 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 it's the title track, I'm Here Now. At the very end, there's this this gate sample <laughs> that I have, which is basically just, I was on the first, like when I was doing Mary Keane's introduction and stuff, I, I did like a kind of a, a route around Donegal where I went up into the mountains and was like recording loads of stuff with a recorder. And I had this recording of a gate with the wind blowing through it. And it's just like this, like, like you can hear the gate rattling and you're up on top of a mountain and the, the the sound is going through. It sounds like a whistle or like a flute or something like that. And I had that sample for years, like 
and I would put it into like seven or eight songs and it would just never work. And I was like constantly trying to make it sound as if like it was like a synth that I could put a beat underneath it and turn it into <laughs> this thing. And you're like pushing on this sample again and again because I was like, this sample sounds amazing, but it doesn't work on anything. And then I like I had it for this record and I played it and I was like, this is such a good sample that it, it like I don't even need to put anything with it. Like, what's the point of putting anything with it? So I was just like it like it's slightly in tune with this song here. So if I just put it at the end on its own. Like I was like, oh, that's so much more powerful because suddenly it's like this weird, bizarre sound at the end of a of a song that doesn't like stand for anything, and it's just like it means so much to me. But anybody listening would just be like, this is the weirdest like production I've ever heard, kind of thing. And like just having the confidence to know that it was like, oh, I don't need it to mesh with anything else. It's just it's amazing on its own. Like even five years ago, I wouldn't have the confidence to put that in at the end of a song. You know, like I would, I just would never have thought to just keep it in on its own and now it's one of my favorite parts of the record because it's just this like weird sound of wind going through <laughs> a gate and it's all on its own and and it's that that kind of thing that you get over to this time where like you just get the confidence to present stuff in a certain way you know So the hardest part of the album, making the album, was finding a place for the gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding the gate for the album was like the yeah the hardest part for sure. <laughs> um, do you still see yourself as a dance artist? Do you ever like do do you see yourself as one type of thing anymore? Yeah, you think I mean, changed. I definitely still see myself as a dance artist, especially for live. Like you know, and you know, live is live is sixty seventy percent of what I do. You know, like I kind of. It was it was amazing. Like you know, I was kind of I had done the house band stuff for the last couple of years, um, and then I did a big show in Body and Soul this year, and it was like absolutely rammed. It was like it was in the woods in Body and Soul, and it was just filled with people all the way back with house plants. With yeah. no, with Dahi. Oh so right. Oh okay. You're gig, doing two. Sh- and okay. then there was a Dahi gig straight after, and I did the Dahi gig, and it was just rammed all the way down along through the woods, and I had completely forgotten. I had just forgotten how big a thing that like a dahi show in like body and soul or electric picnic was two people because people come up all the time and go like oh i saw you did this electric picnic show this was like amazing or whatever did you you probably haven't done a dahi show since pre-pandemic barely barely at all like yeah hardly any um and nothing like on that scale at all you know and i had just completely forgotten i had just completely forgotten how much of a deal it was for people and i could look out into the crowd and i could see faces that had been to like 15 16 shows and i was just like i completely forgotten that this is how it is and like alex my drummer like you know we came off stage and was just like i completely (laughs) like i had completely forgotten how big of a thing this is to people especially on the festival circuit and everything so it got us really excited for this tour that's coming up we're doing like a 20-day tour now across the uk and ireland and uh and yeah i'm just looking forward to it so much it was just like it was just really interesting so like from a from a dance perspective you know 
it's still one of my most important things is this idea of of uh of making dance shows for people that they would really enjoy and that's that's still a massive thing for me i think in terms of the records they're a little bit different there's a lot of really heavy dancey moments on this record but i think one of the most valuable valuable things you can do as an artist is completely forget what genre you're supposed to be in there was always i say this sometimes like the totally enormous extinct dinosaurs you know that guy at one point he was doing an interview when his that big record came out and he was like uh, oh if like you know if everybody woke up one morning and genres didn't exist at all like if nothing ever existed you know like <laughs> it would be the most amazing thing ever because like you would discover stuff that you would never in a million years look for because uh genres didn't exist so you just find these random things and like i think that's a really good guiding light for producing music is just like forget about the genre you're supposed to be in and think more about like the sounds and and you know that's that's a big kind of guiding light for what i do now i think you know but but do you all the songs that you have on the album and the songs that you're creating they do have to work live as well uh, yeah, or, some or of them do you do. know the ones that aren't I mean, going to work i would but. say maybe four or five of the tracks on this re- on this record will work really well live but there's other ones that just won't work well live and then you know i mean we're kind of thinking about other stuff as well you know we could probably do a much kind of camera chiller gig if we wanted to as well I can um, imagine a camera chiller dahi yeah. gig. Have there been have there been ones? <laughs> it generally depends on how many tickets you sell. <laughs> like, generally, like if you sell out a show, like you're gonna go hard. But uh, if you if you get into a gig with fifty people, you know I don't think they really want full techno in their face if it's like too big a venue. So yeah, we're kind of half thinking it. Like there's a there's a song called Irish Goodbye that I released during the <laughs> lockdown that is this very like chill kind of calm, nice like laid back thing. And it just totally doesn't work in the hard dahi sets, but uh, but it would totally work for a different thing. And then there's a couple of different tracks on this record that would be really interesting as a kind of a like a half a half speed kind of record, if you know what I mean. So there's definitely an avenue to do it, but uh, but yeah, but you're you, I think the important it would be good to have that in the bag because you just you should be thinking about the audience and what the audience would like at any given time, you know. So um, if I went into a venue like we're going to be doing like UK gigs this this year and like i I have i've played in i've played in the uk maybe a handful of times like hardly at all and we're doing like six or seven dates there now so i'm like right at the the bottom start of like Mm. performing to them which is really exciting to me because it's just like you know it's like oh i have to prove myself now this is the thing like you know so i get very excited for those ones but they're only like you know 150 cap venues so at max there'll be 150 people there um, and I would say there won't be nearly as much as that. Uh, so you get, you know, we're, we're we're thinking about how you kind of present the dahi thing to people on a on a low on a smaller scale, which is great. It's really good fun, and it's like a different way to think about it and all, you know. But um, it must be interesting to kind of talk like that, kind of you know, um, almost technically yeah. about what works and what doesn't work. Like, what is a hundred and fifty crowd, hundred and fifty cap crowd going to want, as opposed to like an Irish show like the sound house where you're playing yeah. in dublin in a couple yeah. of weeks uh who know you yeah who, who know yeah i mean it, it's kind of an extension of what a dj would do i guess right like it's kind of like you know you the worst dj in the world play like looks out <laughs> into a like a venue of like 10 people and starts like playing calvin harris at like 160 bpm <laughs> like you know like the, you have to read the room and you have to think about it so then, I mean, if if you've been gigging for as long as we have, you know, you kind of you you kind of know how it's going to work before you get in there, and you kind of know it's like, well, I know this venue, or I know what this venue is like, and I know who's going to be going, I know what day of the week it is, <laughs> and like you know, there's all these little facets that like kind of 
get you to the level of like, I know what the show is going to be like, so I should be able to mold the show to that um to that audience and you know th- that's that's good for you because you're not standing there playing hard techno to <laughs> like a small <laughs> crowd and it's also better for the audience because they enjoy it better as well and and uh i'm blessed that like you know the let's say the last two records have these kind of more calmer chill moments and harder kind of moments as well so being able to have those both in the in the arsenal is is helpful as well you know how come you haven't um played the uk more in the past is it is it just like ireland was enough for yeah it was interesting like we we never really got a chance um we're like we we kind of contacted a whole lot of different people i'm blessed i got a i got a uk booking agent last year so that's where this is kind of coming from i don't know yeah it's kind of interesting like we i haven't done a huge amount in the uk sometimes i think it might be the name <laughs> like yeah getting people, yeah getting English people to pronounce die is is no fun uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, and like, because, and I, th- I think I'm probably part of a, a group of Irish musicians who, like, I get, I get a lot of gigs. The the main gigs that I would get abroad are places where there's a load of Irish people. <laughs> That's like always a big thing, and you hear a lot of different uh, Irish musicians talk about that. Like just before the pandemic, I was, I was going to be playing to two thousand people in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, and it was because there's loads of Irish people over there yeah, teaching yeah. English, like you know, and the gig was run by couple of Irish businessmen who live in Ho Chi Minh and the Camogie team in, in Ho Chi Minh. We're called the Saigon Gales. Oh, wow. And, uh, and yeah, so it's those those avenues that you get where you get a lot of Irish people. And yeah, and uh, to be honest, like Mary Keane's introduction did an awful lot of that as well. You know, I get more listens in Australia for Mary Keane's introduction than I do in Ireland now. You know, it's kind of like always been that thing. I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting. I, 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 the English stuff never really... We tried several times, but like it just never kind of kicked up. What I'm really excited about now, though, is that like the we're doing you know six or seven dates now. I'm hoping to be doing a good lot of festivals in the UK next year, and festivals are a fantastic way to get people to get into dance music acts. You know, because you get this like passerby crowd that like people are kind of walking by, and I mean that was my bread and butter when I was younger as well. It's just like you know trying to draw people into a mm. festival tent as much as you can. Um, so that's what I'll be doing now, and and uh, and yeah, we'll be pushing it out. Yeah. Has it been good hanging out with Paul Noonan over the past year? I talked to you about, I'm pretty sure it was like 11 months ago at It Takes a Village. <laughs> yeah. And you were doing your third houseplant That's show. Right. You've done a lot more yeah. since then. You were in the ground floor. On. It's fantastic. Oh, well. But, but uh, yeah, I've seen, I've, I saw you then and I saw you um, one or two other times in, in the interim mm. too. And like, first of all, Paul Noonan, an amazing front person. Oh, just best. is able to control the crowd, which must be an interesting thing for you to observe every night and also just being able to talk to him all the time someone who's had 20 years in the music industry it must just be good kind of development as well for you yeah 100 percent um the houseplants gigs have been everything we wanted and more <laughs> when mm. we were writing the record like we have this amazing band of like you know Sinead White Glenn Keating who's in Jape who plays bass and, oh. and synth bass and Alex on drums of course as well and then myself and Paul and it's just like the, and then we've like Keen Finley on lights and and Frankie Pollard and sound and the group that we have are just all really nice people who you would want to hang out like they, we kind of had a rule where it was like you know if the gig got cancelled would we still hang out <laughs> like you know we still just have points and we were like yeah we'd almost <laughs> prefer that like do you know what I mean it was that much of a like we have such a good kind of a gang so that's been brilliant and you know Paul is a really good kind of I guess a role model for how to be a musician in Ireland I think he's he's like a really really good example of that you know where you kind of have to have five or six projects going all at the time 
you uh, you have to have a certain understanding about how to play live and stuff because I think Irish people really stand with the live thing. I think they're really you you can um, I think more than anywhere else. Like you know, if you put on a good live show, people will really stand to you and go back and stuff like that. You know, so that's been brilliant. And yeah, and just in terms of the band and stuff, having like a front man like that uh, is such a blessing because I can concentrate on the stuff that I'm actually supposed to be doing <laughs> and I can really work off the crowd and watch him build the crowd and like build the sound with it at the same time and stuff so the way he holds his hands and all oh, this stuff you know amazing yeah 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 and not without the quirks as well like Jesus we, we, we had to we have suits so we wear suits on stage and like you know the last day at all together now like we had to get like an ironing board and an iron over <laughs> to the stage and there was no backstage room or anything so like we had to run over with it and like find a plug in the back under the stage so like while like melts were playing paul was like underneath the stage Amazing. ironing a shirt <laughs> as fast as he could and is he ironing everybody's shirts no he's only ironing oh, his shirt yeah you iron your own shirt in houseplants now yeah yeah there's no there's no ears but uh, <laughs> but yeah, and even just getting a flipping suit into a festival is just like try to get the shoes and like just kind of put them down in front of the stage so that they don't get muddy, and then like step into them and then step up into the stage and stuff as well. But uh, see, these are all things that you didn't have to think about. Like, see, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because with the dye shows, you just wear all black, like techno black. And that's it, <laughs> like nothing else. But yeah, so the suits. But I mean, it, and it's all you know. It makes for such an impression because like people just really kind of suddenly it's that feels like a special occasion and people really get into it. You know what I mean? Um, we our sound engineer and our lighting engineer also wear suits as well when they're down at the sound desk and everything as well because it's all like part of the thing. Like you know, we're all we're all at this wedding. <laughs> yeah, suited and booted. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it's been absolutely brilliant and like just a really fun sociable um, gigging setup. You know, I mean we're blessed in terms of being musicians that like it's like being in the GAA you know you kind of <laughs> your social the social aspect of being a musician is one of the best things about it you know you get to hang out with lovely people all the time so um yeah that's definitely one of the number one aims for house bands is just hanging out I guess there's less pressure as well than what you have solo when it's solo it's your name that's up there when it's house plans you've got four or five other people yeah absolutely yeah yeah I know that there's a band in Dahi a Dahi band as well there's a Dahi band as well but yeah the house plans thing is you know like I think like anybody says as well you get to be a bit of a character that you that you wouldn't be if you're a solo artist if you know what I mean you get to kind of be a bit more I don't know the house plans Dahi is a little bit different to the (laughs) the dance Dahi you know well, I mean, we had a plan at the start of Houseplants where, where Paul wasn't going to dance. I remember we were kind of going like, he's going to be this like, you know, all of us are going to be going mental. And then he is like going to stay totally stuck. The still. somber front man. And that was the plan at the start. And it took half a gig before yeah. that had to be thrown out. Because all you want to do when you're up there with those songs is like go absolutely mental. So we're just like, yeah, no, just go for that. We got to yeah. be, we got to be, we got to be going for that, you know. The Paul Noonan boogie. The Paul Noonan boogie. He's really got it. Like, you know, no stopping me. When you watch No Stopping Me and he like, he has the hands up and he's like bouncing around the stage. It's brilliant. It's great. Uh, what's Houseplants up to at the moment? Have you got more shows coming up? Or are you on hiatus now for a while? Or? We have, uh, yeah, we have a couple of shows. We're doing Fall Running to Place is kind of the last festival uh, that's in September. And then we're hoping to do some more kind of Christmas gigs. And we have some new tracks as well, which we might be releasing fairly soon as well. I'm going to get past this Dahi album. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we have a couple of tracks that we've been actually, we've been testing them out live with this really nice track called Sea Glass that has been going down really, really well in the live shows. And uh, um, yeah, so we have a couple of other tracks as well. So it's uh, it's an ongoing concern. 
it's not houseplants aren't, <laughs> isn't ending anytime soon that's for sure that's good that's good uh houseplants the first album did come out of lockdown it was mm-hmm. very much a you sending files to paul and paul sending files to you and out of that an album grew did the music on the new album i'm hearing now start in the pandemic as well or was it it sounds like it happened earlier this year yeah this like year. It, it did it happened most of it coalesced i'll say like kind of this year like most of the main parts like i have a very boring nerdy way of getting to that level to the say so i was going to do two weeks in beekeepers and i did that in february i think but like i have the most incredibly boring way of finding the tracks that i'm (laughs) going to work on which is basically uh i'll write like kind of little bits of tracks and make these little ableton files of like random ideas that are kind of coming together and i might have like 60 or 70 of them in a folder and then i'll (laughs) at one point in the year i'll go through with an excel sheet and go like this track, like this project name, this is the speed of it. This is the key of it. And these are the best things in this little trick track. And then I'll go and do like that through the 70 projects that I have. And I'll go, okay, so these are all in the same BPM. So I'll pull samples wow. out of them. Are you color coding this Excel? Color code, wow. yeah. And then the keys and stuff like that. So then I can, I know what the best parts of those half projects are. And then I'll pull the samples out of each of them. So I'll have this like sample back of bank of stuff that I know works well together. And then I'll start meshing them together and see how it feels. Uh, so I did a lot of those kind of, we'll say those 70, 80 little mini projects uh, kind of over bits of parts of the lockdown and then the next year. And then, but then I'll do the big Excel, the big boring Excel sheet at some point. And then I'll do like two or three weeks of just like working with those samples and stuff and adding little bits onto it as it, as it goes, you know. So. so that's the way that you're kind of working. Do you find it easier now? Like this is your third solo album. Mm. It's your fourth if you're including Houseplants. I'm not sure if there's other stuff as yeah, well like singles and pieces, eps but, as well yeah. that you've done have you uh, do you find that the whole music making process is getting easier or yeah i suppose i suppose it does get easier you the the hard part with an album always is the the joining the dots you know what i mean like you could kind of write a million tracks and they all sound great but like there there has to be some sort of through line that you work with and that's often the most challenging part like trying to actually see the order and where the energy should go to next or whatever so that's hard but that's gotten easier with making new records if you know what i mean um and then yeah like i just don't i i don't really think about it really in terms of how difficult it is it's such a it's just so enjoyable <laughs> to like to pull these sounds and find them and you kind of know the feeling you get you get this really exciting feeling when like it's like two things mesh together or you're getting one sound that you haven't heard before and when you get them together and it works like it's just it's just never difficult it's just like a really it's just a really fun thing you know um so yeah i don't i don't i I never really feel like i have any kind of massive pressure on me to do anything um it just it just randomly comes in so i guess i'm very blessed in that in that uh in that respect touch wood that it's gonna be like that forever yeah 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 well you've talked i think you've talked before about like writer's block or something like that haven't you and like going to france and, and stuff like yeah that and having yeah to, having to do that so yeah hopefully that doesn't hopefully that doesn't yeah, yeah. no you've said it no you've said it <laughs> yeah. uh yeah and, and that was really based more on like i had gone through a really bad breakup and i just didn't even have the the energy to write i guess and it was just kind of like a oh god like what's the point in doing anything like kind of thing so going to france was that was that for loss it was just like a kind of a i just need to separate myself from from my life for a while and kind of work on it you know so do you have you ever have you like even this year like gone through a period of not playing music like for a month or anything like that or is it something that you're always like doing thinking about i'm always tipping away with stuff it kind of comes in waves really because 
you know, you could be very busy with one thing and then after a while you kind of, it starts coming in naturally. Yeah, it's it, it, it always comes in waves. Like I, I kind of, I'll write little bits or little bits and then suddenly a lot of stuff will just start happening like in the way, just the way that things work or whatever. Um. So yeah, so it kind of comes in naturally over time. Yeah. The album starts with sunset, mm-hmm. ends in moonlight. Moonlight, that's right. And yeah. You've kind of talked about the, the journey of it as well. And just the few times that I've been able to listen uh, to the album, it does almost flow like, a, I hope this doesn't sound like a criticism or anything, like a playlist. Oh, you know nice. when you put on yeah. a playlist and it kind of like, what am I listening to now? Yeah, absolutely. There was once or twice where I kind of like click back and it's like, yeah, it is the Die album that's playing. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. know, is, is that something that you think, like you talked about flow yeah, uh, as well. Yeah. I guess that's something that you only get with a couple of albums experience as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this record is quite interesting because you're right, it does have like, there's pretty heavy tangents in places. Like, you know, you'll kind of, you'll go from a very electronic, heavy based song and then suddenly it'll just be like all acoustic-y type sounds and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, when I wrote Sunset, I knew that it was going to be the start of an album. It just feels really like the start of a thing in in the sense that it feels like <laughs> a sunset going down it feels like the start of an ending or something like that like an end mm. credit song or something like that and then and then kind of when i started looking at kind of how they they work as well it does feel a bit like a kind of a night out thing like a festival night you know sunset starts out and it's this big euphoric thing and then it goes into a kind of a deeper introspective run um and then like moonlight at the end is it's like a massive track that we've been playing live that like has been blowing people out of the water like it's insane um there's huge drums just the whole way through going really really hard and then like i always in every single thing i've ever done every ep every album i always put like a real proper belter at the end always there's no there's never going to be a dahi record where it's like a nice calm finish or whatever it always needs to end on this big bang out of kind of the way um so that was always going to be there yeah there's like just different kind of peaks and troughs on that record you know there's kind of a big boost in the middle with that uli track you mentioned the concertina earlier mm-hmm. that you're playing on it and there's also a Shan Nose sample there as is, well yeah. on Familial Familial uh, yeah, that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I've asked you we've talked before um, about kind of your relationship with folk and trad mm. I think but has that changed at all like since you've been living back in Clare and like maybe more surrounded by family members do you do you feel like the trad and the folk is kind of like coming back to you a little yeah, bit. I'm I'm kind of blessed. Like, geez, the first St. Patrick's Day this year, I I was in Dubai with Martin Hayes. Martin Hayes invited oh, wow. me over, and he was doing a show for the Expo in Dubai, and it was myself, Cormac Begley, uh, Martin Hayes, and uh, a couple of other really great like traditional Irish musicians. And like Martin Hayes called me and was like, uh, "I'm thinking about doing this gig in in Dubai, but it's like this giant amphitheater gig." And he had like a kind of a quiet, kind of a very calm trad band on the go, but it wasn't going to work for this thing because it was too big. And like, I was like, Martin, like, you know, I can't play like fiddle <laughs> beside you. That would be absolutely insane. Like I could never, ever compare. <laughs> like I would just, it would look insane. But uh, so then he was like, no, no, I don't want you to play fiddle at all. I want you to play synth like for the whole thing. Like, And he was like, I need like this big, deep, like, chesty feel underneath all the music and stuff and like he kind of gave me this new kind of it like view of how traditional music and say my stuff would work as a, as a kind of a a mix you know like we went into the national like yeah even <laughs> Martin Hayes it was just like you know oh, I might come to Dublin and do a bit of rehearsal or whatever I was like yeah do you want to come to my house or whatever he's like I know I'll get a room in the national concert hall it'll be fine he's like <laughs> oh god almighty so then we went into the national concert hall and like 
he his idea for it was that basically you know traditional music is in a certain area of the frequency so it's not too low and it's not too high and if you if you use synthesizer and electronic based stuff to go underneath the traditional music and then you use atmosphere and wide pads to kind of accentuate all the very fast music that a, a traditional music musician would play, you know, because there's just so many notes and it's so rhythmic that like putting in any extra kind of beats or any extra kind of like um, very active sounds would just mess up the beauty of the uh, the actual trad music. So then my entire thing then was I, I just tried to make this big chesty thing underneath all the the traditional music so you have this like bedrock of of just strength of bass underneath everything and it just gave me this whole other understanding of like how you would do it or how you would come and come into traditional traditional music in a kind of a more interesting way and he was the one who pointed out that like my strengths lie in in building the atmosphere around the traditional music as opposed to the actual playing the really amazing traditional music so that was a big moment for me like at the start of this year in terms of traditional music i kind of i found where i would fit in one of those mm. areas so i think there'll probably be a bit more of that exploring uh, at a later date but yeah so yeah it's changed since you, since you talked to me last i kind of it took somebody as amazing as, as Martin Hayes to kind of point out. It's just like, this is what you need to do for this section or whatever. And it was really gratifying as well because it was just like, oh, here's something I could do well and I can actually accompany like traditional Irish musicians in a way that like, you know, rises the ship in in a kind of a meaningful way that I can actually do really well. Um, so yeah, so that was really encouraging, yeah. And you weren't tempted uh, to ask Cormac Begley just to play the concertina on the album instead of oh, instead of your own playing? <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely, I should have, yeah. Cormac Begley has this amazing bass concertina that's like this incredible, powerful instrument that I'd never even heard of before. But uh, he was he was a fan of my grandfather's, and you know when I met him first, he he came up and told me how much my grandfather meant to him and stuff wow. as well. And it's just like this real, you know, uh, my grandfather died during the one of the lockdowns, and he was such a massive traditional Irish musician that like if 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 the lockdown hadn't been there, it would have been such a massive funeral because he kind of he was so influential in that world. But 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 of course because the funeral was you know we were all in masks and nobody could come into the church and we couldn't have a proper reception or anything i never really got a chance to hear like other people's stories of my grandfather so then even going to like dubai with all these amazing musicians these traditional musicians and hearing the stories of that they had of him was like amazing and it was like a yeah. really really interesting kind of thing that i didn't get to experience when i when we had the funeral so um yeah it was an absolute blessing yeah it was great did you see Cormac at uh, All Together now? I did, yeah. yeah like, yeah. when you were talking earlier about, like, if genre didn't exist, yeah, like, right. his show went off, Yeah, you know? Like, absolutely. there were people, like, jumping up and down to it to a guy just playing concertinas. Absolutely. And, like, even, you know, like, he kind of, you can even hear, like, you know, he's playing a bass drum. <laughs> like, when, when he, like, is banging his foot like that, you know what I mean? That's a kick drum. Like, that's basically, and he's playing at a speed that's, like, dance music, you know? <laughs> uh, and, like, you know... Uh, and that's the real like you you start seeing that more and more i mean even yeah like claire sands is a really good example of that as well you know she kind of it, it is exactly like that you're right it's it's like basically if no genre existed and i think i think younger people are actually there there is a proper 
resurgence of people listening to trad music now, you know? I mean, Altogether Now was a great example of that, you know? Mary Wallopers had, like, a full... Mm, like, a full tent in, like, the second stage playing, like, full-on folk and trad traditional music. And, like, people were... <laughs> I could see lads there who had been at, like, the Houseplants show and were going to all the techno shows. And we're all, like, the same vibe, same energy, just, like, with a totally different type of music. Um, and And that's a credit to the musicians that are doing it as well, you know? It, it doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't... It doesn't just naturally happen. It's like these people are really, really exploring new avenues for this stuff and uh, and aren't afraid to kind of to push the boat out, you know? It's great. And it sounds like Martin Hayes is as well. Like, yeah. you know, he's, oh, called, he's calling you up and wants you to play synth. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I described to him the the uh, what a drop was, basically. <laughs> he never he never knew what a drop was. And then, like, what, by the time we got to Dubai, he was, like, talking about one track. And he was like, and this is this is where the drop is for this thing. And he, like, would drop down in the notes and go down. And I'm like, okay, cool. So then the bass has to come in here or whatever. So, like, he... Amazing. Yeah. And, like, Martin Hayes is, you know, he's transcended trad music in a, in a kind of a way. He's, like, massively into jazz and stuff as well. But, again, incredible person to play with and incredible person to talk to about music because he just understands it in a completely different way. And, like... um. Yeah, he's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Have you actually played fiddle with him or played alongside him? No. Jeez, I yeah. wouldn't. I like, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I, I can play violin in a, in a fiddle in a certain way where, like, you know, with effects and with a build, I can create, like, a kind of an atmosphere. But, I, like, being a traditional music, musician and playing those notes at that speed with... Like, like, there's a technical side of it, but then there's also like you, you have, you have to get so good that that technical side doesn't even exist anymore, and you're performing it. You know what I mean? And the closest thing I would to get to get to that would be like I have a load of dials in front of me when I'm playing live, and I don't, I don't think of them as separate things. I can just do them naturally, and that's that's the same thing. But like, to be a traditional artist, to get to that level where the technical side doesn't matter, you need to be playing like every single day, and like you need to be like just so like. Uh, dedicated to it that like I just never was I was just way more interested in building the atmospheres and way more interested in the kind of the the overriding kind of level of it and stuff as well you know so I, I don't think I'll ever I'll ever get up to that level to play traditional music like that and as I said like you know I think my my uh, my avenue in there will be to use like atmosphere and sense to to accompany somebody in a really strong way you know never say yeah. never though you never know, say ten, never 10 years time we'll exactly. be chatting again and it'll be like you finally made your chat album <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 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 yeah. um 100%. so this album is coming out in a couple of weeks the start of september you're looking mm -hmm. forward to getting it out in the world and going back on tour yeah i am i'm really i really am yeah it's a it's a lovely record and it's kind of very very different again um it's definitely like a kind of a an advancement to what i had last which is kind of the big aim and uh yeah, a bit like Houseplants, actually. It's kind of, you know, it's been with a really, really good group of people. And I'm looking forward. We're going to have a kind of a launch party just before the album comes out with all the all the people who are involved. And that's going to be really fun. Um, and yeah, live shows. I just can't wait after that. <laughs> Putting Soul gig and seeing everybody there. I just can't wait to get out on the road and do some really proper dahi shows. It'll be great. Great. It sounds like you've had a good summer of shows, yeah. both your own shows and with Houseplants as well. Yeah, yeah. And going to festivals like too a as a full, punter. A full-bodied summer like it was before. Like it really, like it's been a great year for musicians and there's just been so many gigs going on. Um, it's been lovely. Yeah, it's been great. It's just, it's just like unbelievable to realize we had it with two years that mm. we didn't have it isn't it yeah 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 and it, it feels like there's twice as much on now but i think we're just we're just not used to, to how much stuff is going on but uh yeah it's been a great year for music it's been amazing mm. in Ireland. it's great and
and as we were talking about just before we press record like we are a couple of years older than we were like pre-pandemic we so our bodies just aren't used to we're just not yeah we'd be, be better to ourselves i yeah, think is yeah. the trick listen congrats on uh the album i think it's uh it's really good and it sounds l- you. like you just said it sounds like you have advanced again i guess that's always that's a thing isn't it just yeah 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 just keep keep tipping away <laughs> As they say, (laughs) what what better way to go out than that? (laughs) Keep tipping away, everybody. Keep (laughs) tipping away. That's the final song of I'm Here Now. It's called Moonlight and like Dahi said, it goes off. So go check out the album on Spotify or Bandcamp to hear the full thing. Thanks again to Dahi for the chats. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully you did too. Hopefully you enjoy the second interview of the show. It's with Kinsey, who is one of the most exciting young acts in the country right now. The Dublin artist releases the five track EP Something to Do with Love today, September 14th. She's had a great summer, playing festivals all over Ireland and the UK, culminating in Electric Picnic at the start of September. We get into all that as well as Kinsey's kind of journey, so I don't know if we need me to explain it. Maybe we'll just get into it. Be 
Yeah, it was amazing. Um, definitely one of the most kind of busiest and interesting summers I've ever had. I played a lot of festivals in like Ireland and the UK. And yeah, I don't know, it was great. It was really good. I actually only like did a little Instagram post yesterday about it. And um, I was like, wow, I did so much. Because it's kind of funny. It was like a, like a lot of festivals, um, a lot of touring around and it's so funny how it's kind of come to September now and it actually does turn into a bit of a blur, um, but a good blur, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was blur. like, yeah, a good blur, um, but it was great. It was, I, I mean, I feel like I learned a lot and um, I mean, I'm, I've met a lot of nice people. I made a lot of friends from touring and like me and the band had a great time and yeah, it was really good. I feel like especially, um, I did a couple of shows in the UK, a couple of U- UK festivals and because obviously I'm not from there and I was kind of coming over from Ireland, that was definitely one of the most like interesting things. I felt very uh, out of my comfort zone, but in a good way. I was like, oh, I, I gotta get at these guys level, you know what I mean? So it was great, yeah. Just in terms of uh, like not knowing the bands or not knowing the people behind the festival sort of thing or or more um, seriously, Brexit wise? I, I No, I think, I think just more just like not knowing, you know, not like feeling like in Ireland, like there's a lovely, um, sense of I don't know like comfort and home and like when you're working in the music industry in Ireland you do tend to know like quite a lot of people so even at EP like I was kind of going like oh who am I you know like I don't really know much people going and then of course and you're like everyone there you know um but then in the UK it's like you just don't know you know you don't know any of the organizers you don't really know much of the bands but as well a lot of the bands that were um I, I mean I didn't know a lot of the bands but also I knew a lot of the bands from like growing up and like you know I was like playing show and I was like there's the vaccines having their lunch in there <laughs> and like th- there's a really cool band called Sorry that I really like and like I got to see them play I got to meet another band called The Big Moon that I'm really interested in so I got to like meet a lot of bands that I actually had been following for the last few years just like you know on the internet um so that was really cool as well but it was very like oh my god this is for real now <laughs> like you know yeah, I think it was nice in the way that when I played Ireland, it was always really great to be comfortable and be accepted and feel at home. But the UK was like, okay, this is like really cool because I'm getting to meet a lot of bands that I would, you know, look up to and, um, you know, that I've only ever seen on my Spotify playlists or on <laughs> YouTube. And 
yeah so it was really really cool yeah did you have any actual brexit issues going over i know that that seems to be an issue at the moment i didn't because i know for a fact that when we were thinking about getting over to the uk and we were thinking about our, the way of doing it and we were originally going to get the ferry um to a couple of shows like we were going to get a van go on the ferry and then you know be over there but we decided against it and we decided to fly instead but i know that there was a very a very annoying um god what was it what was it called it was almost like a a carnet list it was like, like a, a form where you had, literally had to put all your equipment on the form like you had to put your like your microphone, your bass amp, you had to put how much it cost, where it was made, like when it was made. Like you have to put all these like really hard details to find about your gear on this form. And I'm pretty sure that was a, a Brexit requirement. Wow. So we all spent like like a good week like looking through all our <laughs> yeah. gear, doing this big form. So looking up on Wikipedia or something. Yeah, like and apparently like made. if you are in the UK and you don't you don't have that form done, um like they could just take your gear off you. Um, so I think that was a Brexit thing. I'm don't hold me to it. I think it was, but I know that we dodged it because we ended up flying. But I think there was maybe a couple of extra fees and stuff. I let my manager kind of deal with that. <laughs> I was sort of let him kind of, yeah. I mean, I did actually have a very um, a couple of months ago. I I was actually given an amp like to lend by Highwatt. Uh, did you ever hear that the amp company? Oh yeah, yeah. And um. They, that was an awful time where they actually sent me um, an amp over uh, to Dublin, kind of like as a present, and it just uh, never arrived. They couldn't, they like basically, it actually it actually came to my door, like the amp, they had the amp in the hand and then they said, now that's going to be 80 euro, uh, how do you want to pay? And I was like, no, I've actually been given this amp by the company, like this is them like lending it to me for kind of commercial purposes, you know. And they were like, okay, well, you know, we can't give it to you without you paying for it. So then I had to get on to the people from Highwatt and was like, um, yeah, like, I really don't want to pay this 80 euro. Like, I don't really have that money. And you guys got to like send the amp. Yeah, I like the amp. Yeah. And then they were like, don't worry, we'll sort it. And then they tried to sort it out. And then they like, because I think it was because of a Brexit thing. Mm. It just went back to the like a warehouse. And then like, they couldn't like get the correct forms in order to send it over here because it was like a big amp. So that was one thing that happened to me in the last couple of months that was a, a, an annoying Brexit thing. So I literally never got that amp. And it was that wouldn't have happened if, you know, it wasn't Brexit. Like, I would have just been able to get the amp. You're okay amp-wise, though? You're, I am, you're, yeah. You're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all worked out in the end. I ended up um, getting a lend from a music shop, but, like, you know, facilitated by High Watt. So it still kind of worked out in the end. But, uh, but yeah, it was, that was crazy. Like, I was very annoyed. But I was more just annoyed with... Uh, the whole Brexit situation and them on the other side, the high company were like, God damn Brexit. Like they were like <laughs> yeah, giving out about yeah. it as well. So Yeah, I've heard about that like in terms of um books, you know how books kind of get sent out to reviewers or other people for blurbs and stuff. And I've just seen people say that maybe people in the UK say that like when the book arrives at their door, they they have to pay a fee and it's yeah. pretty much like the price of the book. So they're not yeah. really getting yeah, the books no, for free. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um did you play any festivals further afield in Europe or anything like that? No, I didn't play any in Europe. I played, I just played the UK and Ireland. Um, I did play Pitchfork Festival in around Christmas time. Which, oh, class, Pitchfork Paris. Yeah, Pitchfork Paris. Yeah, class. so I played that in November. There was um, a couple of Irish bands there, wasn't there? New Dad were playing there as well, new, weren't they? New Dad were literally, were they, I think they were right after me. Class. Yeah, they were right after me. And I think, I'm trying to think who else played. I know Girl, We I played with Girl Band in the London, so I played Pitchfork London as well. We played with Girl Band. And then, like, a couple of days later, got the train to Paris and then played with New Dad. So that was amazing when I went to Paris. Like, that was 
literally one of the best weekends of my life. And the crowd were so hyper in Paris. Like they were like whooping, like shouting, like it was amazing. I really wasn't expecting it. I mean, I just don't know what I what to expect from, I've never played in Paris, so I didn't know what to expect. But it was, they were so, they were just loving it. It was great. And then I got to kind of walk around Paris for a couple of days after that. I just, everyone went home and I just like, I'm just going to stay. Yeah, why not? Why <laughs> yeah. not? Um, do you feel kind of part of a particular like new up and coming scene that's kind of happening like with New Dad or with any other bands who are kind of playing the UK and Europe and further afield? Yeah, I think so. I think I do. I mean, I think, I think there is a really nice, I guess, maybe scene of like, individuality at the moment I think there's a lot of artists who are very kind of coming out recently who are just very different and they kind of I don't know they're like I mean I don't I guess I don't like really feel like in terms of like new dad I, I feel like I'm I'm definitely a different I make different music um but I do think in terms of like a scene of like there's just a lot more um individuality coming out and a lot more artists that are doing different things and I think even though it's musically different we're all kind of like working together as a collective or we all kind of like appreciate each other and, and help each other along and stuff like that like I'd be friends with New Dad like there's I was only thinking there there's a band called Do Nothing have you ever heard of them hmm. rings a bell yeah like they're a really interesting UK band very kind of interesting sound great name for a band I think they're um one of their kind of uh what they've said in interviews and stuff in the past that they they so they, they've based their um the lead singer based his kind of character off a, like an like a symptom a Simpsons character um I think it's like old old Will or something or old Gil do you know <laughs> old, old Gil, Gil? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he based his performance off old Gil from the <laughs> Simpsons which is just brilliant and it's really interesting and I think I think there's yeah I feel like there's definitely a really interesting scene but I think the scene is, is that people are just really kneeling into like their own authenticity and their own individuality and I think that is the scene is that like people are just kind of unafraid to kind of like kneel into you know themselves as much as possible and a lot of different, I'm friends with a lot of different bands, a lot of different acts, and I think, um, yeah, I think that's the kind of scene is just like the the working on themselves and, you know, not trying to be, oh, we're all doing punk or oh, we're all doing pop or, you know what I mean? It's just like we're all doing our own thing and, and that's the cool thing about it. And ambition-wise, like talking to all of those bands, are you kind of thinking further afield than Ireland as well? Because I've always felt that for a while it seemed like Irish bands were happy just like playing in Ireland, but there does seem like post-girl band you know maybe like 2016 or something there does seem to be a thing of like looking further afield and you know if you want to kind of make a career out of it you've got to tour the UK and I mean like you've mm. made a good step of it already this summer yeah. like off the back of one EP yeah I mean it's interesting I think I mean I love Ireland and I think that um it would be great if everyone could just kind of tour Ireland and like live off it and you know kind of be happy out um so I think it's a combination of like it's not really financially like you can kind of I mean I think some really big bands do kind of maybe make enough from just doing Ireland but I, I think it's a mixture of like wanting to kind of spread your wings a bit and trying to kind of build an audience elsewhere I mean I personally love traveling like that's one of the reasons why I got into music like in the way that I am is like I literally like even my like decision making for being a solo artist was like if I be a solo artist I'm not tied down to like any particular place or like you know I don't have to worry too much about like you know like I can kind of bring a band from wherever like so I love traveling and, and that would be something where I would yeah one of my goals is to travel Europe and the whole world really um and I would be looking to kind of build audiences from different countries as well I think that like 
you know, as I think I'm trying to think of that band. Um, there's a band called, you know, the De Laurentos. Mm. I think they have like a really big following in like Mexico or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they actually you might like you might be surprised that if you travel the world, you never you never know. But like for some strange reason, you could just be like be really big in Brazil or like Mexico, and like it's definitely worth just like kind of going everywhere and trying each city out and trying um different fans out and stuff like that because yeah, there's just there's an audience everywhere and like. People are going to react to you differently in different countries. And yeah, there's just like, there's so much more to get out of just traveling around Europe and America and the whole world and stuff like that. Have you noticed that like with your Spotify plays or something like that? You're like, oh, people are listening to me in Mexico. Really. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, there's been a couple. Um, <laughs> your mind gets working like, how do, how do I sort out a gig there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really cool. And I think that's the brilliant thing about Spotify as well is that you have those kind of, you can actually really easily see where your fans are. Um but yeah, no, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that like it's, for me personally, I do feel like it's just more as well. It's, I just want to travel the world and being a musician and a songwriter is actually a way I can do that as well. <laughs> um, so put a bow on the on your summer and the summer. Uh, how was Electric Picnic last weekend? Yeah, that was great. Um, wet? Yeah, it was wet. Um, but it was <laughs> kind of fun though. I kind of liked it. It was the same with, I played Forbidden Fruit in June and it was like raining but it was kind of nice it was like I don't know after COVID and everything I think I was like enjoying a bit of like messiness and <laughs> dirtiness and stuff and EP was kind of the same it was actually I think it was really sunny when I played I actually oh, got great. lucky kind of on the Sunday or the Sunday yeah, yeah, yeah. it kind of died down really nice. um but yeah I had a great show I had a really amazing crowd um people were jumping up and down for the whole thing people were like screaming people were singing the lyrics back to me and yeah, the band played really well. I mean, I was just delighted with the crowd. I I personally find that when when like the crowd is really receptive and they're like really hyped, I'm really hyped. Like I'm just automatically like in a good fo- in good form and performing better and really enjoying it. So like, yeah, they, that was just the energy was flowing between me and the crowd, I think. And uh, it was one of the best gigs I've ever played, actually. I wow. think crowd wise, it just felt like everyone was really into it. Yeah, a bit really big crowd. And I think like even... I was kind of worried because I knew like CMAT was on like very soon after me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they're all going to run for CMAT. And I think some people, I think some people did leave for CMAT, but I still had a big crowd there. So I was pretty happy with it. Like, but yeah, it seemed like a lot of people went from like kind of saw the end of my show and then ran immediately to CMAT's tent, which is the best way to go, I think. Could you tell, like, did you see all of the cowboy hats just there? Yeah, no, I, that was kind of it. Because there was people at my show in cowboy hats as well. And I was like, oh, they, they must be going to a CMAT show later. But, That's um, great. But yeah, it was funny. I think it was as soon as it kind of ended, that's when the crowd were like, see, Matt. But it was, I think the scheduling of it was actually pretty good for that instance. But no, it was really, really good. And it was definitely like a really nice way to finish the festival season as well. Like I couldn't have it any other way. I think especially like I was saying, like, you know, being in the UK and then like kind of feeling a little bit out of my comfort zone. Because, you know, like I said, it was there's something almost like homely and comforting about playing in Ireland and then having that whole experience and then finishing it off at EP especially because I used to go to EP when I was younger um you know as like an 18 year old 19 year old and actually like going, going back now playing the Cosby 10th three um three for all what is it Ugh. uh all the for three, three. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Oh, it's I think they changed it twice but it was um it used to be get called that the, sponsor's name in there yeah I know I was like oh god don't mess this up now <laughs> um but yeah playing the one of the bigger tents anyway was great because I would have been like 18 going into those tents being like oh maybe one day you know what I mean I'll be playing here so it was very surreal and it was just lovely to finish it off and I, I stayed for the rest of the weekend and stuff and 
yeah, it was great. Did you see Arctic Monkeys on Sunday night? I, I did, yeah. I went to see them on my own and I uh, went up to the front and it was great. It was, they were unreal. I did get kind of like elbowed a couple of times up the front, but it was kind of worth it. But yeah, it was really nice. I went, I, I actually wasn't sure I was going to go because none of my friends wanted to go. Weird. But yeah, I think it was just because they'd all actually seen Arctic Monkeys a couple of times where I've never seen them play live. Okay. And so, it's pretty much a greatest hit set, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it was actually nice because I was like, I want to go see Arctic Monkeys because I was a really, really big fan of the Arctic Monkeys kind of from, like my first band was basically just an Arctic Monkeys ripoff. <laughs> like it was just like so inspired by the Arctic Monkeys. Um, and then like, because like I think I was such a big fan when I was 16, 17, I was like, I have to go see them. And then they played loads of songs from like Favourite Worst Nightmare, which was the kind of album that I was really into and that was like the main one and... That was really interesting. And same with, I saw um, Tame Impala as well. And like, the same thing again. I was really interested in Tame Impala, like 16, 17. And I was like, this is so weird. I was like, like being able to see like two bands that I would have been like crying at at the age of 18, like in kind of one night after the other. But now as a 25 year old and being like, I still really like these people, but I'm a little bit (laughs) mature now. And I don't, like, I don't really. (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, it was, it was great. Um, I was blown away by Alex and the band. Like it was can't get over how unbelievably talented that person is like a great songwriter as well like really big influence on my songwriting as well yeah yeah i think favorite worst nightmare is my favorite arctic monkeys album as well i love the new stuff how do you feel about did you listen to um Maribel? The, new, the new single yeah i actually haven't listened to it yet oh, okay. so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna comment on that because I, I don't i actually haven't listened to it um you're it okay came with out the direction co- of like more experimental like the last album yeah yeah I think that's really cool yeah and the last album yeah I mean I'm all for that like I love experimenting I love when artists go a little bit more weirder I'm so like yeah more of that stuff like it's funny I do think like when I was at the show like um you know you do you do feel a difference you do feel a shift when they're not doing the hits kind of thing but I mean that's like kind of the point of music for me as well is like you know, you, I think you kind of have to start them off, like like slide in with the easy pop songs and then just get weirder and weirder and weirder because how is music going to change if you're not pushing the boat? You know what I mean? So same with like, um, I'm, I was just obsessed with the St. Vincent album that came out last year where it's just so weird and experimental. And I've literally was like literally crying listening to it because I was like, thank you, because it was just <laughs> like she was pushing the boat and she was just doing her own thing and it was so authentic to her. And the same with the, um, the last... Uh, Arctic Monkeys album it was very clear that like the lads and Alex were like you know how do we just make this even more a thing how do we do something even different like how do we kind of yeah just something that's like not heard of or like a not a generic song structure or a generic you know what I mean band sound um so yeah I like I'm all for that like yeah I want to I'm really excited to hear this song now yeah yeah I, w- I was listening to your new EP and I was thinking that I was wondering, do you have a specific genre that you cling to that you would point to your own? You were saying that like the first band was basically an Arctic Monkeys ripoff. Mm. I mean, there's elements of that. There's elements of the strokes in there as well. But there's other bits too. Like, do you feel like you're tied to one kind of genre? Do you think it's kind of meaningless in 2022, the idea of genre? I, no, I definitely like, I'm, no, like I definitely don't. I find it quite hard to describe myself musically because I definitely don't lean into one genre. Like, I do think, um, yeah, I mean, I I personally like to take from lots of different genres. Like, I'd say maybe overall broad term, like alternative, but it kind of, yeah. I mean, I think, like we said, like 2022, it's like, there's so much music out there. And I do think, like, for me personally, I feel like I have a an almost... Um, 
what's the word um responsibility to like actually not do the same thing as everyone else and not stick with the one genre and like yeah because I, I don't know I just think that like the best music and the most interesting music is always a fusion of different things you know what I mean like even Arctic Monkeys I think when they first came out I think they were actually re- like the way that Alex wrote his lyrics and stuff was actually like um, influenced a lot by rap and stuff like that so he's actually taken something from like rap and then put in you know put like indie rock stuff with it but it's like that's for me personally yeah like I said I have I feel like I have a responsibility to not do the same thing not stick with the same genre to experiment with different genres take from everything that's happening now and you know everything that's happening like that's interesting in music and just experiment with it and try make it my own try make something that feels good to me and feels different to me and feels like oh this is mine and it's not just like another indie pop song or another electronic pop song or so yeah I I I I really don't like the idea of genres I think as well now and I I think like I was saying about kind of you know being in a scene and stuff a lot of my friends and bands and artists that I'm friends with it's like we're we're all kind of doing the same thing we're all kind of experimenting a little bit with genre and and, and I just think that's the way it should, it should be going and you know I think there's nothing wrong with being a certain genre but I, I personally just find that I want to just push the boat a little bit more with it and I have a responsibility to do that as well you know. Great. Is this the sound that you saw yourself making when you were starting out, when you were thinking of Kinsey as an idea? Does it take a while to actually figure out what you want to make? Um, I think, honestly, like, I sort of just... I knew that I really wanted to write good songs, and I still, like, that's still the goal, is... is I think, yeah, I think it's, like, songwriting is the main thing. I think trying to write a really good song is the most important thing. I think on top of that, that would also be then like really good song, but then how can I make like an interesting arrangement for this or an interesting sound for this that's like not the generic thing or isn't, you know, going to slip into just one genre. Um, I think starting out, I was a bit more, yeah, I was like just really, really hyper-focused on writing great songs. Um, I still am, but I think this, especially with the last EP, I sort of maybe delved a bit more I, I think I did the songwriting part and then I was like got really into focusing on the the like kind of experimenting with the sounds a bit more around that but I think starting out I don't know I think when I first started out with, with Kinsey I had some ideas of what I wanted it to be but it wasn't that fully formed um and I do think that it is a process and you do learn a lot about yourself as you go along and like I probably said it in other interviews and stuff but I'm a big fan of St. Vincent and I think one of the reasons why I love her so much and like David Bowie and stuff is because they actually they didn't start off like fully formed you know what I mean like they kind of like especially St. Vincent it's like she's only kind of like really getting like into the nitty-gritty in the last few years like the last couple of al- albums were like very much her and I think I that's kind of the progression I see myself doing is like you're just constantly experimenting constantly learning about yourself I think in terms of sound and stuff like I am doing more music that I don't know it's like when I first started out I was like okay let's just throw throw this out here and see what happens and like maybe play I played it maybe a little bit safe and then now it's just like I'm getting more and more confidence to just go in deeper and deeper into the like interesting sounds and interesting arrangements and not being afraid to like throw throw out like a wacky song or something like that you know what I mean where maybe when I was first starting out I was a bit more nervous to do that um but I do think it's it's a process, and one of, it's one of the reasons why I love love like being an artist and songwriting, and, and this whole journey that I'm on is because I love the self the self exploration element of it. Um, 
like that's kind of what what like gives me my kicks and stuff is just like you know if, if it all turn you know if it all kind of turns to shit or whatever it's like <laughs> well at least I learned so much about art and myself and you know really like got to do the artist thing because I do think being an artist is is a lot about self-discovery and and yeah kind of just like you're just constantly changing and constantly learning um but yeah I feel like I went off the question there but anyway <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um when when and how did the project start I call it the project how did Kinsey start mm. um I think I was I was always playing music and stuff like that I was kind of since maybe the age of like 15 was when I started gigging around Dublin I was like gigging oh, young wow, gigging yeah yeah no I was 15 16 like I was in a band an all-girl punk band for a couple of years class um and we were like doing the whole like pretending to be over 18 and and then like going into going into wheelands and getting kicked out and it was very fun it was a very fun time um what was the band called we were called spines and it was that was the kind of uh I think when we first started out, we were like a mixture of like Arctic Monkeys and a band called The Witches from Brighton that we all really liked. It's kind of like dark, kind of um, surfer rock, but a bit of like Arctic Monkeys in there. It was really cool. So I kind of had that band going for ages and that was kind of my baby. And then I think it was kind of actually a bit, to be honest, I think it was actually, I felt a little bit trapped in that band because it only kind of had one sound <laughs> and it was only kind of this one thing and... I think I also just wanted to like kind of experiment with different musicians and myself. I wanted to just, I don't know, I just wanted to like kind of sit in my room and make music on my own for a little bit. And so I kind of, that band kind of um, broke up and then I spent like a couple of years, well, maybe more like a year and a two, a year and a half in college and just literally sitting in my bedroom, um, just experimenting with like demos and making weird noises. And so I kind of started off with, um, yeah, I kind of started off with like the band thing and I loved being in a band and I was kind of experimenting with the live show and like getting lots of experience gigging. And then it was, I then I decided to be an introvert and sit in my room <laughs> and experiment with the production side of things. And that was super fun. Like I, I was really lucky. I was like in BIM and we didn't really get a lot of work to do after college. So I would just go home and sit on my computer for hours, for days on end and just experiment on logic, experiment with sounds and synths and learn all about the technical side of things and and then at the same time, I was sort of like really, really getting into the nitty gritty with songwriting. I was getting really obsessed with it, like like un, like unnaturally obsessed with it. I was like buying all the songwriting books. So that was a really fun time. Um, it was like you, my, you, my research period. <laughs> are you being taught that in BIM as well? Like this is a I great was. song and this is how you go about writing it? Or is it um, less, um, less taught like that, I suppose? Kind of, yeah, it kind of depended. It was like different, they had different kind of approaches to songwriting and some of it was like, let's study a song or some of it was learning craft based like tools and stuff like that so I kind of took some of that what I learned to BIM but I did also just kind of go on my own like my own little kind of path I just I like I not not out of I wasn't told to buy any of these songwriting books I just wanted to and same with the production stuff like that I like it was all just purely like me just wanting to make as much music as possible um, and then I guess in that period where I was kind of like on my own in my bedroom, that was when I was like, okay, I'm getting some songs together now. And and then I started like dreaming of, you know, playing music live again and bringing it out on, you know, to a, like a live platform and being an artist. And um, and then I just, yeah, and then I just got a band together for Kinsey and had a good few songs and it sort of just kind of flowed from that. And then I spent a lot of time experimenting with like, backing tracks and band members and different ways of doing songs and 
and then eventually you know started playing gigs and then that was kind of how it came to be so but I do feel like when I think about Kinsey it does feel like more of a a a, a it started from those like year and year and a half of just sitting in my room making demos it started from the experimenting with production and songwriting and and stuff like that um it's just a learning curve isn't it that's yeah. what it sounds like yeah yeah no it was, it was super cool like um and I think when I when I do find time to kind of go back and just spend a day on my computer in my room or whatever I'm so happy because it's <laughs> it's just I just get reminded of like that year that I was just like so creative just experimenting loads and and I knew as well that I wanted it I always had this goal and not so much in my first band because I was kind of young and I was just kind of learning but with Kinsey it always felt like I always wanted to write a good song but I always wanted to have like fusion and juxtaposition in my music I always wanted to have something different going on because I, I love rock music I love indie rock music but I'm also like a big fan of electronic music and like uh, underground bands like you know like uh, Portishead and Broadcast and there's a band called Mikachu and the Shapes that I've been obsessed with for years and um, just like slightly more like kind of older indie bands more kind of underground and I just really like that kind of their kind of lo-fi rough sound and I, I just always wanted to try and get that in my own music as well and yeah and I think there's like a lot of great artists solo artists out there who are doing writing great songs writing great indie songs or whatever electronic songs but I just I want to hear more fusion from them and I want to just be that person that fills that hole that does the interesting fusion thing that just musically and sonically does the thing that people don't expect but also with writing a good song <laughs> having a good song there because I do feel like there's a lack of good songs as well, like a lack of really well-written songs as well um, in this day and age. Like, I'm a big fan of the kind of older, old-school, uh, you know, songwriters as well. Like, I would, you know, the kind of Irvin Berlin and the Beatles and because I think the songs that they wrote were the best and there hasn't been anything as good oh. as those classic songwriting so songs. When you're, when you're listening to a new song, are you almost like dissecting it straight away? Are you like, wouldn't do that, wouldn't do that? No, <laughs> you're um, almost like uh, editing it as Just you like along. from the radio or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, maybe, kind of, I don't know, I think so, yeah, I mean, I used to be a little bit more like that, I think I've kind of, like, stopped being so analytical, <laughs> analytical lately, but, no, I, I definitely, that was something, that was a whole process, like, there's a song on the EP that was purely just, like, when I was, I kind of wrote it, like, during one of those, like, mad, obsessed, frenzy songwriting stages, where I was like, I just really want to write, like, a really good love song, like, a really good classical love song that's really well structured and it's just like damn that's a good song like so and, and I feel like I achieved that to be honest but like and I feel like I achieved the sonic of that as well because it was purely like I wanted to write a really classic love song but also throw people off by having interesting arrangement and experimenting with sounds and you know just just something a bit different so um yeah uh did you enjoy your time in BIM yeah it was great yeah definitely like the best couple of years of my life I I feel like yeah um, like all my best friends kind of are from BIM and it's a great place for meeting people and learning from other people and yeah I mean it was it was great I'm like I've my the one thing I love about BIM is um especially is there's so many different people people playing different kinds of music and we all just take from each other like literally like my best friend is um She's kind of like this 80s Bjork-inspired female electronic artist. And she would make completely different music to me, but she's still my best friend, you know what I mean? And then I have this other friend, really another best friend, and he's like a funk soul guy. 
and like again we're still best friends and we just used to hang around in college and learn from each other even though it was so it was we were all playing completely different music so that's the kind of nice thing about BIM it was just it was just very open arms to everyone and everyone was extremely um just learn from each other and there was no sort of like you know there was no like weird scenes or like no mm -hmm. kind of like ego involved it was just purely about learning and experiment they really wanted people to experiment there as well and I, I think I'm grateful to them for like you know their, their classes weren't that long there wasn't that many hours but they kind of were like come to class learn your stuff and then go home and you know do your own thing like write your own songs mess around with your demos and and that's exactly what I did and I'm very grateful for them giving me that breathing space to figure myself out and yeah like because I think in a weird way it's like if I went to college and maybe it was really like a different course and it was really intense and it was like a lot of hours I just wouldn't have had that time to kind of really figure out who I am and what I what I like in music and what I like in songwriting and stuff like that so it's it's great for that reason I think yeah and all of your mates all of the people that like you graduated with they're all still making music or most of them are anyway um yeah no they are they all are yeah and they're all just doing it in completely different ways which is really interesting as well no one's kind of doing this no one's going about it the same way people are going like just in terms of like marketing or like play what kind of gigs they're playing or what like what kind of you know music they're putting out and maybe they're kind of they're just their approach to it like like my best friend she lives in Spain now and she's just like making music in Spain like <laughs> and then like you know I have like another friend who is like doing a lot of songwriting sessions and like he's kind of getting he has a solo project but he's getting a lot of his um He's kind of building his name through doing a lot of songwriting sessions with other people. And then I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I just do a bit of everything. I just kind of try myself <laughs> at a wall and see what sticks. So it's, it's yeah, it's it's great. There's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, they're doing great. We've all just learned a lot from it. And yeah, it's, it's a nice place. <laughs> great. Uh, you, you've mentioned a few times the idea of like writing a great song. Do you think that you have written a great song or is it a thing you think you're writing a great song and then you reflect back on it and you're like, oh no, I can do better next time. Like you never actually achieve mm. writing the great um, song. God. That's probably different to like, are you proud of what you've written? Yeah, I, think, I was like, know? it was like, yeah. oh, like how do I answer this? Um, yeah. yeah just, just an easy question there for mm. a Friday morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. I think that like... I think yeah, like I mean, I guess maybe more so leaning on the I'm I am proud of the songs. Yeah. Um, I think I mean I don't know I'll never know what my songs sound like to other people. Like I'll never have that objectivity, um, because I'll always be the one that wrote wrote it. So I'll always feel I'll always have a bias towards it. I do feel like I don't know. I mean, I do. There's a couple of songs that I am really proud of. There's a couple of songs that I'm like I know I feel it in my bones that like I. I wrote it well, you know what I mean? Like mm. it's a well-written song, like the structure is there, the lyrics are there, like it's got like, it's interesting, it ticks, it's box sticking. You know, I know that from a point of view of like an analytical songwriter, I'm like, no, that like that that was well-written. But I mean, if it's, tr I guess maybe what a great song is, is if it like affects an audience in a certain way or makes a dent in like a sort of, you know, makes a dent in like a collective <laughs> consciousness or something. <laughs> Sorry, getting really philosophical here. But that I think maybe that makes a great song if it really connects with people. So maybe I'm proud of it and I think proud of a lot of stuff I've written. And I do think they're really well written. And but I think what makes it great is if it's actually 
landed you know what i mean like actually connected with people and that must be what's amazing about like playing that gig electric picnic and seeing people sing back the songs yeah yeah that was really cool yeah that's always a nice feeling does it take you aback sort of thing like whoa like you notice it and you're like whoa yeah it does actually yeah it does because there was one that um people were singing um point of view which is a song i only put out in like in like june and I don't know when this is going to be out, but it's now September. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, like that was, it's not that long ago. And people were singing it back, people were singing it back to me. And I think actually I played a gig with Inhaler, which was one of the best gigs of my life also. Um, but people were singing it at that. And that was only when it was like two weeks out. So that was crazy. I was like, whoa. Um, Cause I wasn't expecting that. Like people had obviously been listening to it a lot over the summer and, and that's one of the songs I think is like, yeah, I think that's a well-written song. I think I like, you know, it's got a good pre-chorus, it's got a good chorus. I hope it hit, you know, I hope it lands well. And it did, obviously it did, because people were singing it back and connecting with it. And um, I mean, that's the goal, really. Like, that is the goal. It's like to kind of write a song that people connect with. It makes their lives a little bit better. They have something to listen to going to, you know, work in the morning on the bus. Um, and maybe inspires them to write their own song or, or like... I don't know, be creative or do whatever, like be more authentic, more authentic, you know what I mean? For themselves, whatever that is. But yeah, I mean, like, that's really cool. I mean, it does, it does, it does shock me a little bit. Like, I'm not like going, oh, I expected this. It definitely does shock me. It's, it's definitely still strange and, but it is like a nice kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm all right. Like, it's okay. Things are going well, <laughs> kind of thing. Reassurance, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. The new EP is called Something to Do with Love. You kind of mentioned earlier you wanted to write a really good love song. Is this kind of your stab at it? You have five goes at writing uh, yeah. <laughs> writing a love song. Is is that the idea behind the EP? Um, not necessarily, no. I think there was just that one particular song that I was I was just like that was a bit of a a challenge for myself in terms of a songwriting some fun songwriting challenge that I <laughs> I, I um I did for myself. But the other songs the other songs are more they're kind of a bit more um I was I was writing a lot of songs at a particular time and I was kind of like thinking about a few different things and I guess it was more kind of like in the writing process that I realized that they were all sort of about love it wasn't really like a it wasn't necessarily like a such a predetermined thing but it was kind of like in the process of writing them I was like oh this is kind of about like rejection and then like this is kind of about like infatuation and and I was like oh this could be an EP so it was a little bit less predetermined I guess yeah, they're all, I guess they're all, they all kind of are about the ins and outs of love. And I think that's, I guess that's where the EP title comes from and the kind of the running theme and stuff like that. But it was, it was pure, more kind of just writing a lot of different songs at one time and being like, oh, I think there's actually a connection to be made here between these songs, basically. Have you got a big collection of songs built up that you're kind of like, not just need to get these out? Oh, yeah. Like literally, like so many songs. Um, yeah, like a lot of the songs are like some inkling, like are songs that I have had for a while or like an idea that maybe I started writing in like 2018 or something you know like a couple of years ago so a lot of the songs are yeah like like I think uh, Love Your Life I think I had a, a voice memo of that song just the chorus from like 2019 or something and then I kind of like finally got down to sit sit down to write it like over the last year or so but yeah I have a lot of songs I like spent a lot of before I kind of officially started doing Kinsey stuff I just spent a lot of time writing like I was saying earlier on and I just have so many, so many songs. Um, but I do think I've gotten a lot of them out now. I've gotten like the kind of majority that were in the backlog that I was feeling very, you know, that I was like, these are the ones that are really precious and the ones that I'm 
I have the most faith in, I guess. And they're the kind of like from the first EP and then like these ones that are kind of the ones that I think it's kind of it's kind of finally they're finally all getting out there now. And I think I'm really looking forward to kind of writing a lot of new stuff now, uh, for potentially an album or something. But um, but yeah, there's like a lot of stuff in the backlog. And yeah, it's cool, though. It's great. It's because I don't I don't really have to worry too much about finding inspiration and stuff. I don't really have to worry about like songwriting blocks. It doesn't really happen to me. I just I always I'd always have somewhere to go if I needed to write something. I'd always go. Well, there might be an idea in my like back catalog from like you know a couple of years ago that I could just pull out or I think I, I did like a, a SoundCloud play or like playlist for myself for, um, a couple of months ago of like all my voice memos and it was something like 80 songs or something <laughs> <laughs> so crazy because I just I'm genuinely obsessed with songwriting like I'm a little bit addicted to it and I've actually had to try and take like calm myself down a bit and at times as well because I've ended up with way too many ideas <laughs> like my manager is just not happy like he's just like here there's so many ideas here I'm like I'm sorry just so focus yeah focus on one thing I know I'm bad for like finishing things like I'm the, the typical like you know bad for just like you know writing a song and then like getting really hyped up about it and be like oh my god this is the best thing in the world and then finding it ridiculously hard to finish it but yeah I mean so I just have lots and lots of ideas but it's great though I'm like I'm lucky that I know a lot of people who struggle with songwriting or like don't get inspiration a lot or find it hard just to get an EP together. And I'm, I got really, really lucky that I just, I'm the opposite. I just have too many ideas and I find it really hard to sift through and like kind of knuckle down on one particular thing. And, um, but yeah, I remember being in college as well and they had like a, they had a, a songwriting masterclass on, um, like writing block and I, <laughs> <laughs> I was the one person in the class that like pissed everyone. Everyone was like, oh God. Cause like everyone was like, how do I get inspiration? I was like, I have too many ideas. How do I sift through them? And everyone was like, God. Like everyone was like, oh God, Kira. I was like, I'm sorry, but it's still an issue. Like she actually did help me this woman that was good. She gave me some tips. Yeah, just running brain constantly. You know, you, you gotta touch some mud because you're, you know, like who, who knows if uh, you might run out of or like get writer's block now and you'll be. Like, I know oh, no. this is this is. I keep saying gonna... that I'm not gonna get it. No, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. What's the word? Um, this is me like kind of shoot myself in the foot now and a couple. Mm. Of, in a couple of, I just used to have loads of ideas, <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's interesting. Like I'd love to actually love to look into the um, sort of psychology and stuff behind it because. It's, I think it, yeah, it's it's um it's probably ADHD or something. I don't know, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'd love to look into the psychology of it because it's it's really interesting when people are like, maybe they they write a really good one or two songs and then there's other people here who are like, just like can't stop, can't stop writing. But it's great. I'm really lucky that I have that. That's like my my um town square as they as as a poet I really like, and she talks about how you are you have to have like a town square. And I feel like songwriting is my town square. I just go there when I'm feeling weird about the world. But, but then I have too many songs. <laughs> so, yeah. You mentioned an album there. Is that kind of the next thing that you're aiming towards? I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely, like, I... Yeah, I'm sort of, like, getting the, the inkling together of some ideas and some songs and, I mean, I guess an overall vibe. I think I think I would... I kind of have, like, an interesting idea of a certain sound that I want for an album which yeah it's kind of forming like I don't not 100% sure of like the direction but I'm getting some like inklings of ideas and things I want to try and things I want to experiment with and I have a couple of songs that I think would work but it's, it's just the beginning but it's really exciting and I actually do want it to be a little bit more consistent sound wise than the last two EPs I think they were just me like experimenting loads and being like oh no here's a funk <laughs> song and then here's like an electronic pop song but I think with the album I, I do want it to be a little more consistent and maybe theme and and the sound 
no, it's it's interesting. It's really nice. It's really nice being on the cusp of something new, of something fresh. Great. And what does the rest of your year look like? Are you hunkering down now for the rest of the year, just going back into being an introvert and just writing all of your mm. all of your songs? Or um, <clears throat> I do still have a couple of gigs on the horizon. I think I'm going to be playing a couple in November in the UK, just like doing some shows in like London and Glasgow. And then I think I have some shows in Dublin again in December. I don't think I'm not. Gonna, I don't think they're 100 percent confirmed yet. So I'm not going to you know advertise them yet uh but uh I think I do a couple of shows and then yeah I mean I think really now that the summer's over yeah I mean the summer was was great it was very busy like I had something on all the time and like obviously on top of the touring and the, sh- the festivals I had to kind of prep my EP um which you know takes time and stuff like that so I was doing the kind of prep and doing music videos and it was very busy so I I think now for from September kind of for the next few months I, I do want to yeah I think it will be going back to the, the kind of drawing board a bit and trying to figure out my next step whether that is to like really knuckle down and do an album or maybe another EP and yeah just kind of figure out like what's going to happen like I don't really know right now it's um it's only the kind of first second week of September and I've just kind of come off the back but yeah I think it'll be a lot of just kind of figuring out the next steps um relaxing and taking stock of everything that's happened yeah I've kind of done that this week actually which I also needed to do because I was so tired after EP um but yeah I was kind of doing that this week and I was like yeah this is like the summer was great and I can kind of reflect on it a bit and begin to think a bit more about the future and um but yeah I think I think an album would be the next logical step I definitely want to tour more I want to try and I think I'm going to try and get on the back of a support like on a be a support for a bigger tour and yeah just I don't know like just kind of experiment and I think I think I would love to as I was talking about like artist progression and self-exploration and stuff like that I, I think one thing I want to do for myself is I really just want to knuckle down and like what I want from music and who I am and what I want from the whole thing and what I want to put out into the world a bit more because I don't know it's like it feels like that's my gut is telling me that's what I need to go back to a little bit and especially if there's an album on the horizon I want to go into a feeling like this is the best thing I could possibly do and make a bit of a difference and just I don't know like go back to the kind of drawing board in that way I really think it's important as well for artists to sort of like do go back to themselves and not be on the go all the time as well because yeah it's really important to do that deep thinking and that kind of like what am I trying to achieve here and what's my intentions so yeah I think I'll be just figuring that out for the next while probably won't figure out exactly who I am because I don't think that's ever going to happen but you know just a little bit more deep thinking and some definitely some writing and yeah I don't know I'll see what happens like I'm excited for it (laughs) great well I mean two EPs deep a great summer of festivals behind you and hopefully a lot more to come so yeah uh, yeah thanks for the chats and best of luck with uh with everything thank you (laughs) thank you
Point of View by Kinsey off the new EP Something to Do with Love, which is out today and available on Bandcamp and Spotify, etc. 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 Can't wait to see what Kinsey does next. As I said, really, really exciting artist. Looking forward to hearing a lot more from her in 2023, if not in the rest of 2022. Let's not write off this year just yet. Now, new music to end the show. As always, we have the Davy single from Yop, a Balana band. It's called Beyond Being and it's out on YouTube and Bandcamp on Friday, September 16th through Wash Stuff Records. Not Wash Stuff Records, Wash Stuff Records. So consider this a taster of the self-proclaimed krauty, psyche, dancey, noisy, punky two-piece. Here's Connor and Sid from the band to introduce the song and then you'll hear it in full and we'll chat again afterwards. Hi, Connor from Yap here. And I'm Sid from Yap, from the wild and wet Balana. Beyond Being is a leftover lyric from the song. Um, the song is about, how would I describe it? I suppose when, the, when you're listening to a song or playing a song and the whole world disappears. It's just you and the song. I'm not saying that this song does that, but uh, just something to acknowledge.
That's Beyond Being by Yap. Look out for it coming out on Friday. A little bit more information for you. Beyond Being was recorded in the infamous Ballina Punks HQ in January 2022. The single comes with a B-side. It's a cover of the Butthole Surfer's Human Cannonball. And Yop's first gig was at the online version of the festival Spilt Milk, which is based out of Sligo and run by the excellent Art for Blind label. Yop will release an EP this winter on cassette, CD and digital. And for more, let's say Instagram, I'll send you there. Yop the band, Yop underscore the underscore band for more. And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Next week is another double interview show because I don't know if you can tell, but there's just so much music being released at the moment. Albums, EPs, singles, just so much stuff coming out, not just by Irish acts, but all over. It's so hard to keep up, but we're trying. We're getting through it. It's a very happy complaint that I make. So we'll chat to you next Wednesday. Have a good week. (laughs) 